Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LayeredSuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code Dr. D at checkout to save 15%. One, two, ready for the interview. And if you get a cue live on a laptop, watch what I'm going to do. Welcome to the show. Let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real. That's the motto. Real talk, pronto. Dr. D, PhD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait. Gotta be social. Network global, a home for the locals. Gotta be social. Network global, a home for the locals. What's up, everyone? Darian Parker here, Dr. D's Social Network, back here in Washington State after a quick trip to Colorado, Denver, specifically, where I was speaking at um, ACSM's really big conference, World Congress, with uh, three other panelists uh, who are wonderful people. And it's wonderful to get a chance to speak with people who uh, you mainly just connect with uh, online through Zoom and meetings. And this group of four people, we all came together through connecting primarily on LinkedIn. But uh, several of them have been on my podcast. And But we all have a passion, a passion for overhauling the industry, the fitness industry that is, and really taking a different look at where things are going for current, but especially the new exercise professional, creating a new standard and uh, a different format for the exercise professional of the future. Um, and so our panel was really about that kind of high level stuff related to how we need to change our curriculum, um, need to have uh, more educational training on resilience, on psychosocial aspects of working with people, uh, emotional intelligence, all these different things, which uh, is so interesting to me. I feel like, and I was having this conversation with a few of my colleagues after the presentation, is that we spend a lot of time trying to, in our world, dampen our humanity. So what I mean by that is that we spend so much time on the, what quote unquote would be called the hard sciences and and, and as these are the main things that are important in life and that the the scientific aspect of things, the hard physiological aspects of being a fitness professional, is these are the main things you need to know. And these are the things that uh, will help you become the most successful uh, version of yourself as a fitness or exercise professional. And while it is important to have those skills I'm certainly not working against that. It's important to have good foundational knowledge in those things. I don't think it's the the best foundation. And what I mean is that, you know, I'm a big proponent in that our educational system, certainly in high school, but definitely um, in college systems, when you talk about how we present our curriculum, it's always, well, it's pretty much non-existent, but it's always, let's focus on exercise physiology courses, let's focus on um, hormones, metabolism, all these things, um, programming elements, uh, teaching towards specific uh, programs and technicalities related to administering a personal training session, doing the testing and consultation, again, all really important. 
But in my 23 years as a trainer, none of that, in my opinion, has kept my business being where it is. People stay with people that they trust, they care about, they have a connection with. If you're great at the people element, the personal element of being an exercise professional, I will take that any day over supreme level intelligence and know-how related to the X's and O's of training. People rarely ask about those things, and I believe they rarely stay with people because of those things. Having all the knowledge in the world, knowing everything about, and we joked about this, being able to explain the electron transport system, Krebs cycle, uh, glucogenesis, anything you want to talk about, chronic adaptations to impose demands, you can know all of that stuff. If you're a poor communicator, if you do not do well with creating, forming, and maintaining and nurturing relationships, it, it's literally pointless to know those other things. Because in the end, you're trying to have a business, a sustainable business, which is one of the more difficult things in our industry is to have a long-term sustainable business. And that business needs money. You need to be able to make money, consistent money. And the money is not consistently made because of your tremendous knowledge of health and wellness and the technicalities, or the technical nature of training someone or working with someone. It's made down on the trenches and the emotional understanding the emotional compass of a human being and asking yourself, how good are you at forming relationships? Think about in your personal life. Are you great at forming relationships? Are you great at maintaining and nurturing those relationships, building those relationships so they become something greater than what you started with? If the answer is, I'm not that good at creating relationships and doing all those things with it, you might have a very difficult time having a long-term relationship with our business for that. And so a large part of our larger discussion and certainly part of my portion of the panel was, we really need to be interested and attacking what it means to be human. I don't think we ask that question enough of what does it actually mean to be human? How do we navigate this existence, this reality, which is often very different for many different people? And how do I get someone to trust me, to create trust between two people? To me, this is the crux of incredible work in our industry. And so we just haven't done a great job of building that into our curriculums and fostering that. It's almost just like we just want to bury our humanity and not make this the number one thing in our training. And another thing I said in some of my conversations afterwards as well is that we're just spending an inordinate amount of time not helping people meet themselves. And what I mean by that is often is, and I and I have experience with this in the past of hiring many fitness and wellness professionals when I was running clubs, things of that nature, is you're often hiring a lot of people who are dealing with a lot of trauma. And so you're having this tremendous amount of trauma from the people you're hiring that they're experiencing it. Then they're working with other people who have a lot of trauma themselves. And you're getting kind of this brokenness versus brokenness or that. When you're working with people, I hope you're hiring someone. My hope is that you're getting someone who's really spending a lot of time meeting themselves, working with themselves, and trying to develop positive coping mechanisms to become a better human being. I, no one wants a fitness professional working with them who's just dumping all of their garbage onto the client. They didn't pay for that. They're not there for that, 
right? So we only need more emotionally competent uh, exercise professionals. And that's it was, again, part of our whole deal was like, we need to have better uh, emotional regulation, better resilience, better mental health coping mechanisms, all these things. We need to infuse this into our curriculum and make it not a secondary or a one-off thing, but make it the majority of the program and then interlace it with all of the exercise phys courses and biomechanics and motor learning and all these things, which again are important to have that base knowledge in that. But this is not going to make you, uh, help you become a great facilitator with people in terms of their emotional compass. This will help you to be a very solid professional in sequencing programs, writing periodized, periodized programming. Honestly, most of your clients don't care about that. They literally don't care about that. And the other part of it too was talking about language and how important uh, language is. And I had mentioned during the thing that it just a lot of people actually don't know the difference between exercise, physical activity, and movement. And that's one of the ways we're failing a lot of clients is because they may not know why they're actually starting up a program. And a lot of people actually don't want to exercise. That's not even their goal. But in society, we say, did you exercise this amount? Did you do this? Did you do these exercises? How much are you working on exercise? This very vague language that is not operationalized so that people actually can decide what they would like to get in. Some people just want to move. They want to have a change in their body location. Generally speaking, where their heart rate is not moving past much past where they would be normally just in regular daily life activities. Some people want to do physical activity. Something unstructured gets their heart rate up, but then it kind of they maintain that over a long period of time. And some people do want to exercise where they want something structured, repetitive, that creates a stimulus. Uh, for the purpose of improving one's health. But how do, does the consumer know that if they don't actually spend the time, if we don't educate them on what they're actually getting into? So there's a lot here. And I think it's, um, we're at a point in the industry, we need to look at ourselves really hardcore. We need to be okay with having this self-reflection and also owning the things we haven't done well. I mean, in any positive relationship or that's moving towards a more positive relationship, you have to own your part of the downfall of that relationship. It can't always be the other person's fault or everything they did is the reason why the relationship isn't going well. In the fitness industry, uh, we have to own that as professionals that we have contributed to a lot of the messiness that's going on. It can't always just be the internet and things of that nature. Uh, surely there's messengers who aren't doing a great job for that. But in general, the we, uh, kind of the, the leaders of the industry, we've done a poor job too in conveying these messages. So it was really a call to our industry, the um, panel that we had to say, hey, we got to take a harder look at ourselves. We have to better operationalize the language that we're talking about. We need to focus our educational standards towards more of a emotionally centered, client-centered approach. And we need to look at outcomes a bit more versus uh, just monetary aspects of it. Again, this is going to be difficult to do, but anything that's good is often very difficult. Um, so that was kind of the summary of our panel there. Um, and it was just great to uh, see people streaming 
in left and right to come up to ask questions. The Q&A was supposed to be 30 minutes, ended up being probably close to an hour of Q&A after that. People are fascinated by this. And honestly, at a lot of conferences, I'm going to put this out there. As someone who's a big conference goer, I enjoy going to conferences, but honestly, mainly just to meet my uh, colleagues. Um, I don't get excited at conferences to actually see a lot of the presentations because the majority of the presentations are exactly the same as they are year over year over year. Honestly, that's part, that's part of the organizers of conferences and having to, I don't know how you say that, but just get going out on a limb a little bit more and putting in a little more controversial or more outside of the box presentations, you know, having speakers and who don't normally speak, um, really changing the game up. I think in anything in life, it's so easy to just keep doing the same thing. And uh, fitness is very guilty of that. We often do the same thing over and over again. We create the same piece of equipment and call it something different or tweak it this way or that way. Uh, you know, it's just how many versions of us can have 30 different versions of a spin bike. It's still a spin bike, you know, whether it goes lateral, whether it moves in a more uh, sagittal plane position or it has a rotational element, it's still a spin bike, right? We're just trying to figure out different options for the same thing. How does we do something different? Even if it hurts us, even if it hurts us, and initially it causes a setback, and we, we have to be willing to take chances. And that happens along conference lineups and speakers and all those things um, for that. So I primarily go to conferences to meet my colleagues and to have those emotionally connective conversations. Um, but I really have to be pulled towards going to a presentation, something that's different, that I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that before. Or it's uh, something just, just forward thinking or outside the box, because often we're just presenting the same thing over and over again. Uh, so, and I, and I think that was the feedback that people gave us as well. This is a different topic, something different. In fact, when I was outside waiting before starting the presentation and meeting my co-panelists, I heard a few uh, attendees saying, I'm going to that presentation. It's because it's something different. So this is a different presentation. And that I have to give ACSM a lot of credit for accepting our presentation and allowing us to do something that was a little bit different. And actually that takes a closer look and really puts the onus back on our industry with that. So I appreciate ACSM for doing that. And uh, I think a lot of our conferences, our big ones, especially out there, needs to need to take more risk in these things. I think the public wants these different conversations. They want to see a change in the industry. But, you know, the large players in the game, they have to be willing to take risks on this as well. And I, I understand it's complex. There's other aspects going on to it uh, with it. But uh, on a high level, it is important to get out there and have some different conversations. Uh, because who wants to go to a conference? You're paying a lot of money in general. And then you go from not just the conference registration fee, but then the hotels are more expensive than ever. The flights could be more expensive. Um, it's difficult to not have a delayed flight these days. There's a lot to go in for someone to go to a conference with that. So um, my, my suggestion always is, hey, make it outside the box, make it different, have some standard things, but really push the envelope on the content. I think it's really important for that. So uh, another thing, and 
and kind of the same stream, but as we continue on here is, uh, you know, after we had uh, our conf our panelists discussion and the Q and A, uh, our four members of our panel, we got together and had a, a very lively dinner, very fun, very exciting. I'll keep all of that content to ourselves because I really think it's important to keep things to yourself. Um, not everything needs to be broadcast to everyone. Uh, that was part of me growing up is not everything was should be documented for that. And uh, so I really believe in that. But on a highlight, I want to thank those individuals uh, for that time and just being there for several hours, having lively conversations, meaningful conversations, laughing a ton. So big shout out to uh, Dr. Rachel Pajednik, Dr. Amy Bantham. Big shout out to Mike Stack, Professor Stack. Uh, thank you to Kylie as well for being there with us as also an associate of Dr. Rachel Pajednik at Norwich University, Vermont. So good times, good people. As I always say, uh, have as many good times as you can in life. Um, your life is literally a speck, a dot on the timeline of existence. While you may think that uh, you have this big, large impact on society, and maybe you do on some level, but in terms of the cosmos, it's just, it's a speck of dust. And so you have a, we all have very short amount of time here, extremely short. I always think about that. It motivates me to get things done. Uh, but it also motivates me to have a great time. I mean, I'm a, I love having good times. I make that very clear to the people I'm around about a good time, responsibly having a good time, ripping it up, eating life. And um, if I'm spending my entire existence just trying to strive for something and never having any fun, I mean, what's the point of it then? I don't even know what the point of doing this is. So um, it was just wonderful to have that time with everyone there and to meet everyone in person and to get back to that, which was, I thought, really cool. So thank you, everyone, uh, for that. Last thing I want to talk about today, um, and leaving with something, hopefully something that makes you think a little bit, is that, you know, we often say in our lives, that, you know, I'm blessed. I've been very blessed to receive this. I've, you know, my life is a blessing, or this situation is a blessing. And that's amazing. And as a person of faith, I, I definitely uh, vibe with that. But maybe turn it around and, and as well as maybe instead of always being blessed, feeling blessed, which is good, focus on being a blessing to other people. Now, I think sometimes we forget about that as uh, we talk about the things that happen to us, things that are around. Um, and certainly when you have good things and you're soaring, um, that's a blessing and we should celebrate that. But a lot of times to help create those blessings and to make the action happen, you have to be a blessing. And in a society, in a world where we start struggling sometimes in different areas um, and differences that we have with each other, the beginning part of that to help dissolve that is to just be a blessing to other people. When you're a blessing to other people, you create a ripple effect, this massive ripple effect. I mean, think about it. When you do something nice for someone, you showcase your humanity, you showcase grace, humility, uh, a servant-based uh, feeling, you smile at someone, 
you're being a blessing to someone in their life, right? And you are helping to create something positive for that. And when you tell someone that they're important to you, that their presence is greatly um, important in, in your life, their lives, or whole thing like that, you've, you've been a blessing to someone else. And you've created energy with someone that's really positive. I mean, think about it this way. And I, I, I have a lot of examples of this in my life, but think about this too, is when I was hiring lots of fitness professionals, when I was running a club and I was overseeing clubs and was traveling all over the place, I would often, um, when I'm hiring people, encountering people, talk to people who were just not getting um, poured into on a regular basis. And when I would say, or anyone would say something really nice to them, they go, man, this just makes my day. Like you just, this is amazing. Like you care about me. There's a huge void in pouring into people. And everybody's going through their own day, doing their own thing but they're not making that emotional investment in other people. They're not being a blessing to other people. When, you be, when you're a blessing to other people, when you pour emotionally into other people, you create an incredible uh, swell of energy in that other person. And often you're the only person that has said something nicer than the entire day when you do that. That happens so regularly with people I have known throughout my life. You know, I'd give them a hug and they come into work and no one would ever hug them the entire day. They, it may be days and days without getting a hug, feeling valued, feeling like someone cared about them. I'm telling you, the world is hugely devoid of people pouring into them. Be a blessing to other people. Tell them how you care about them. In fact, today, a takeaway from this, if you're listening to this, and you're out there today, and you think, I have family members and stuff. Tell someone in your family. Tell one of your friends. Tell someone how much you mean to them. Sorry, that they mean to you. <laughs> tell them how much they mean to you. Or tell them how awesome they are, how important they are in this world. Pour into them. Be a blessing. Lift them up for that. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. I remember when I was in high school and we had um, a government teacher. Her name was Miss Green. This was my senior year in high school. And everybody I remember senior year is, oh, you don't want to have Mrs. Green's class. She's so mean, blah, 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 this and that. I, I wanted to find out for myself. And you know what she was? She just had a lot of accountability. She had standards. She expected a lot of, of the kids in that class. And I was appreciated. Mrs. Green, and, you know, really made that clear to her that I really enjoyed that. And my interaction was different because of how I tried to pour into her and tell her that this was a great class. And I enjoyed the, um, the boundaries that we had on that. Oh, I think a lot of experience is really how you're meeting that experience. Are you meeting that experience in a way that you're going in negative all the way? You're just Instead of pouring in, you're just pulling out of that experience all the nastiness, the terribleness that you think is a part of it without even like seeking to understand what it's actually about. Don't go from a position of defensiveness when getting into something or with other people. Start in a position of pouring in. Pour that concrete down there. Create that foundation with other people. 
be a blessing with other people. And I'm telling you, you're going to find that life's a lot different when you're pouring in versus when you're taking out. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know, Darian, I just, I'm just fed up with people. And uh, I don't have the energy to pour into people. I mean, I have to hardly have the energy to pour into myself. I get that. Uh, everybody is having different times. It's difficult out there, certainly. But I challenge you to this. When you actually start pouring into other people, filling their buckets, you're going to see something amazing. That energy you thought you didn't have to pour back in yourself starts to pour in. Right? Because we think it's all about me. We're in a me, me world, this individualism all the time. But I've always found whenever I pour into other people, tell them good things, try to be a blessing to them, it pumps me up. It does, it's a twofold. I'm helping someone else, but it's actually helping me too. So be open to that thing. Be a blessing to other people. Care about other people. Work on yourself constantly. You're never a finished product. Realize you're never going to arrive. There's no magical point of arrival. You will never arrive. You'll just continue to grind and keep working and become better. So thank you, everyone, for spending some time listening to me. Go out there, be a blessing to other people, and keep meeting people. Don't stay in a silo. Don't separate yourself from the world. Meet people, learn about them, be curious, and uh, be a blessing. Thank you so much, everyone. And I'll see you on another episode.